podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. very special episode of A Celtic State of Mind during a very special during a very special charity weekend, all in the name of three fantastic charities, just as Celtic are about to make history. A quadruple treble is on the pipeline, along with our twelfth consecutive trophy. My name is Erin Boyle. Some of you may know me from my Celtic poetry and others may know me from the KO Foundation. Charity keeps football free for kids. Tonight I am joined by Pat Griffin, Brian Ainsley, and Mark Pingsman, three long-standing Kano Foundation trustees. Since 2010, the lads have brought over 10,000 children, young people, and families over the turnstiles. And I'm sure those who attend home games on a regular basis will be familiar with the Kano kids making noise for the boys in section 115. Pat, Mark, and Brian, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Ten years. Ten years of the Kano. Mark, you've been there from the beginning. I said, really, you are you are our co-founder. What inspired the Kano Foundation back in two thousand and ten, and what made it the success that it is today? Um, well, the start of the Kano Foundation goes back to. Um, the Bringing Martin Home campaign, which I think a lot of people are probably familiar with, but for those who don't know who Martin Kane is and where the Kano name came from, um, Martin was a boy in Australia who was um, on the Celtic Quick News blog um, quite a lot. And what happened was he, he took very unwell virtually overnight. He, he went home from work, went to his bed as normal, and then woke up during the night feeling unwell. And the next day was paralysed um, from the neck down. Uh, consequently, some of the, the guys on Celtic Quick News, to cut a long story short, got the 
got themselves together to raise some money due to the fact that, that Martin was stuck in hospital. Um, he couldn't go home because his house needed adapted and it was going to cost a substantial amount of money to do so. So, um, thankfully, they managed to, to, to raise the money under the name of a bringing Martin home. Um, and they, they got the money raised and effectively the, the idea was he would have his house adapted. Uh, the care package would be put in place by the Australian authorities and Brad, uh, Martin would be uh, back home with his family. Um, so that, that happened um, and we thought at the time that was probably going to be the end of it. Um, however, John Paul, who was uh, also on the, the Celtic Quick News um, website, came up with the idea of um, rewarding some some kids um, who had assisted with a, a massive bucket collection for the campaign. And the idea was to buy them some from the shop or take them along to a game. And that really sparked off the idea of taking kids along to Celtic Park um, to, to, to see football. Um, it started off, uh, it was a bit of a, a whirlwind. He... I went along with John Paul to the, the Celtics with the intention of purchasing 20 season tickets. Um, and the idea being that we would have 20 season tickets to start with and see how it went. Uh, John Paul was sitting in the office and blurted out that, no, we'll, we'll buy 50. And I said, look, we've actually rubbed the gavel here and we're going to buy 50 season tickets to take kids to football. Um, but thankfully, we took the, the 50. John Paul took out his credit card and, and, and paid for those tickets to start with. And then thereafter, it was a case of starting the, the fundraising. Um, so that's when that kicked in. And it was, a, I think the first thing we did was probably a comedy night. Uh, Patrick Rowling came along and some other comedians. And that was the sort of first event. And then it started just a case of getting funds together. And as always, the Celtic support gave us such great backing, um, both as a whole and individuals doing things for it to raise money for us. Uh, and consequently, it just started to to grow from that relatively small 50 tickets up to, to where we are today. So that's where the, the Kano Foundation originated from. And that's where the, the name came from under uh, Martin Kane. We've came a long way in such a short time and you guys must be so proud of the accomplishments in such a short space of time, 10 years, with 186 season tickets, with an average of 104 kids each match day. How do we go about organising our match days and what is it like in the day of the life of a fellow volunteer? Bloody hectic. <laughs> it's great. Um, the actual process starts... Uh, months in advance you know we've got the games booked months in advance people will um, either get in touch with us directly um, saying somebody told us you'll be able to take us to the football uh, and then we would be pointing everybody to the website to make a formal application so basically people will apply through the website uh, we'll look at it and it's not a case of whether um, they fit the criteria or they're suitable it's mainly to find out where we can fit them in just about everybody just about everybody who actually applies for a game will get a game, you know, um, at some stage. Uh, so we have the the, the applications come in. Um, we look at the games coming up ahead and uh, we try and fit them in. You know, if we've got a big group, small group, sometimes one group will take up the whole game. Uh, then what we do is we send out uh, some 
paperwork to them to say, right, this is the game we, we want to offer you. Are you going to accept that game? And if they do, then we then send out a formal uh, letter to them with all the instructions and uh, a couple of forums to fill in when they bring the kids on the game on the day of the game and that's basically to um just the kids names and date of birth to comply with t- season ticket rules to make sure that the kids are under 13 uh, and basically disclaimer uh, for you know should they want to use their photographs or videos for social media then they come along and they to the game so um a typical day is as you know is actually hectic um it starts normally about for a three o'clock game it starts about 10 in the morning for me sometimes we're at the you know if we've got a group coming over from ireland or a group coming early then we're at the stadium for half 11 to meet them um hopefully try and get a wee mini tour arranged just you know through the the tunnel and into the dugouts uh, and then we take them for some something to eat and uh so by the time we get home you're, you're looking at being out from about 10 in the morning we'll get home at about eight o'clock at night um and it's hard sometimes to actually get to watch the game because you're that busy during the, the the game, you know, make sure everybody's okay. Um, a lot of the times, a lot of the goals we've missed has been, it's been quite a, quite a few. So we go home and pick up and find out where we can see them online. But uh, it's hectic, um, but it's like an organised chaos. People who come along say, don't know how you guys manage it, you know, but it's just something we're used to. Right? We've been doing it for, for years, you know. It's the it's a great experience for anybody who hasn't come along to see what we've done. Um, when yeah. you see a kid or even an adult coming into that stadium for the first time and they stop at the top of the stairs and have one look around, you can see that you know they're like wow, um, and you know that you've caught them then. Um, and for most of the kids, that's it. It's like a a love affair that goes on for the rest of their life. That's what I always say. The kids always. Leave. We've had Aberde- kids from Aberdeen, kids from Dundee, and it's an, it's an instant love straight away. Even pictures as well. Sometimes the pictures are more excited than the kids they think. Brian, what did it mean to you reaching 1,000 kids over the tunnel? And can you believe that it was a year ago already? Because this year's just flowing in. We, we should be at like 15,000 kids now. I think we're just about to reach 11,000. What did the 10,000 kids mean to you? It meant everything, but every single kid that comes through the turnstile, every as Pat said, they just look in wonderment. They're, they're outside the stadium, they're slightly excited. I don't give them blue smarties. I make sure that they get wound up so that they're, they're hyper going in. Um, I mean, we've got to look at Mark. Mark had a full head of hair probably when this started, and look at him now. But uh, no, the, the kids had... I'm only 23. Look at me. <laughs> when when we look at when we started off, I came in a year into the Kano Foundation, and at that stage we were growing uh, existentially. But the whole thing was always the same. It was a kid in wonderment when they got to the top of the the stairs and looked out to the stadium, and an empty stadium it was. They just looked across. And every single time I see that, whether it's a kid or whether it's a guardian, I get the same feeling. The very same facts that I got when my, I went to my first game with my dad. And that's what the kids are like. Because in most cases, they won't be able to afford it. 
the 10,000 kid, he came down for Aberdeen. Aberdeen that supporter, believe it or not. What? I was an thousand kid. See, there you go. That's what happens. We, our next game should be 11,000, so that's they merge into each other now. It's, a, it's so special, honestly. Uh, 10,000 kids was a girl called Erin, uh, funnily enough, from uh, Clyde Bank. And, so it was. Uh, and we, the display was the off me and Erin, and the went on to the pitch. So we could we had a bird's eye view of our section of all you guys trying to organise this display. And the pictures of our display, you know, it, the way I see it is we're almost like a mini dream You know, and this was like a wee mini people for the kids. It was it was magic. Um, on the note of match day, a lot of people don't know who we are, uh, who might be listening, or they might know, they might see us, but they just might not know exactly who we are. So let's take a wee look back at some of our match day highlights over the years. The smiles on those faces, you'll see them from far and wide. Tell me, tell me, have you ever seen paradise? Oh, tell me. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm actually tearing up watching that. How does that make you? How does that make you feel, guys? Knowing that it's been ten months since we've seen those faces. You just want to be back. I you do. want to be in that stadium with the kids and bouncing about before the game and then during the game. The game's immaterial at times because it's the kids' enjoyment. Yeah, like I was saying, you know, half the time we don't get to see the game. You know. We're, uh, you know, we're that involved with the kids, but uh, yeah, it's you do miss it. Um, you know, it's the great that's a great thing. Sorry, Brian is at the same level as a kid, he's just a big kid himself. <laughs> Brian, Brian is known as a you can't miss him. And in fact, Brian. Not only are you the Pied Piper of Parkhead, but recently you also took character as the Kano Grinch last year at Christmas. How did that feel hitting the papers once again? It was it was great fun. Eddie Cantwell um, 
gave us two outfits for our Christmas party. Uh, one was uh, a minion, which would fit Joe Mackin very well because it's that round. And I took the Grinch and I wore it to the game. And it was absolutely fantastic. I lost half a stone, I must admit, even though it was a cold December day. Um, but bouncing about in paradise, um, dressed as a Grinch, there was a picture of me with Santa, and Santa sitting next to me looks about two foot one. Um, but I loved it, and so did the kids. Uh, they, they thought it was fantastic. The funny story, we had the Christmas party the next day, and Lee Griffiths was invited along. And Lee FaceTimed his son up in Dundee and said, what do you think of this, and put on the Grinch's head. And then after that, I said, can I borrow it for Christmas Day? So I thought, can I do this? So gave him the outfit, away he went, and then I phoned Eddie and said, Eddie, um, can Lee Griffiths borrow the Grinch outfit? He said, yeah, no problem. I said, just as well. He's halfway up the M8 to Dundee. That was the most surreal moment of my life. It was the Christmas party last year. Joe was a minion, you were the Kano Grinch, and young Sarah and I were Mickey and Minnie. And there was a moment where Lee was standing in the middle of us and we're talking to Lee Griffiths' kids, dressed as Minnie and Mickey. And it was just a moment where I was like, <laughs> people don't realise that the Kano Foundation is just so much more than just taking the kids, you know, to, to match this. Um, the Christmas party is one of our events out with match this, but... Not only not only do we do so much for the kids, but we also like to give back to our supporters as well. And Joe, uh, who turned 50 last night, so a big happy birthday, because uh, he'll be listening um, and loving it, hopefully. Um, Joe is a man when it comes to fundraising events, from golf days to dinner dances, year in and year out. Our dinner dance is the highlight of the year. How important is this night for our funds and what makes it so brilliant? Well, I think it's a um, it's a chance to actually thank people personally uh, for all the support. Because not only did they a lot of the people come to the dance, they also support us during the year. We uh, come to you know the golf days and you know donations here and there, and uh, it's just a good chance to let your hair down and um, you know and celebrate the fact that you know you managed to get through another year. And and as I say personally go around and thank and speak to people and the good thing about one of the greatest things about uh, getting involved with the Cana Foundation is the amount of friends that we've made over the years the amount of good people out there not just you know the people who donate but the, all the people who bring the groups and you know you can't forget that out with the match day they, they come and bring the kids in the match day but out with the match day these guys are there 24-7 for these kids you know they're always there always in the background with their youth groups and whatever so it's good to see some of them and, you know, basically just, as I say, relax, get to know everybody and just say thanks very much for your support. Definitely. Brian, you're always a good laugh at the dinner dances. So yeah, what's been your favourite, if you have a year, what's your favourite year? You know, because it's just, I, I, I wasn't there at the Radisson, for example. I've only experienced, in fact, I've only experienced one dance. It feels as if I've been here forever. Uh, what's been your favourite year? Well, I think, when you look back at certain events, you look back at um, we pre-arranged these well, well in advance, a year in advance. Joe was the driving force behind it. So we had booked Radisson Blue and we thought, right, this is fantastic. Um, 
we get John O'Farrell of Celtic Canvas Art, can't uh, praise him enough, who dressed the Radisson Blue inside the hall. He also dressed the stairs on the way up and we had a fantastic time. We were dressing the room and Celtic were playing uh, somebody that Saturday at uh, Govan. And the result was uh, 1 5. And we were watching it on the big screens in the actual hall. And uh, there was a band uh, who were playing the O2 Academy up the stairs. And they were there in the room trying to get the game. And we were all watching it and enjoying it in the Radisson. And it was just a fantastic feeling that night because everybody, whether if we'd have won or get, if we'd have got beat that day, we would have still had the same atmosphere. Everybody came into that night and everybody was bouncing and it was fantastic. And then Joe took over as the DJ at the end and it was uh, just one of the cracking nights. And the weird thing is, I hadn't had a drink all night until I went down into the bar uh, after the event. And there was the, the band who had played the O2 Academy snorting about with bottles of vodka and stuff like that and saying, where's the, where's the private lounge? I says, there isn't one. The celebrities are out here. They've just been to a dance. And they were hopping mad because they didn't actually get to see the game and we'd watched it. Um, but things like that, meeting people, as Pat said, letting their hair down and just having a fantastic night. And I've not known one person who hasn't came along and said, you could charge a fortune for this. We don't want to do that. We don't want to rip people off. We want to give them as good a night as possible, whether it's at Celtic Park, whether it's in the Radisson, or whether it's anywhere else that we book. It's all about everybody coming along, having a fantastic night and just enjoying it. Definitely. And instead of just talking about it, let's take a wee look back at some of the highlights of our dances. Uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic. So let's see.
it makes me so emotional watching back anything. Guys, with without having our dance this year, what chat what 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 problems does that, you know, what problems do we face um in a post COVID world? What challenges has the Cano faced throughout the coronavirus pandemic? Um Nicholas Sturgeon just released a a statement there. I thought, oh, Nicola, you pick, you pick your time, is it? <laughs> um, she was talking about potentially getting into a lockdown and boxing day. Um, what does the what does it what does set in place for us uh, looking to the future? I think I'll we'll start and foremost. On you go, Mark. I think, obviously, the first and foremost, the, the main aim of the Kena Foundation is to take kids to football matches, and you know that, that's that, that's obviously very difficult just now. In fact, that what's impossible just now, and that makes it obviously very difficult for us. So we've just got to plan for a future when you know things do go back to normal or semi-normal, and we can try to get at least partial crowds in um, I don't know when that'll be or if it'll be this season um, but that that's all we do and in the meantime we've got to ensure that actually we're, we're still in a position to to do that um, so that you know this year is we still have to try and go through the whole fundraising process um, and we had our we normally have a bucket collection at the start of the season but as you know, Erin, we made that a, a virtual bucket collection and thankfully it was very successful, but it allowed us to give us some funds to keep things going, um, you know, during this COVID time so as people don't forget about us because, you know, people see us in the stadium and people know who we are, but, you know, when there's nobody there to see you, they, you can sort of fall away and be fall into the background, so it was important that, that, that we still kept our focus uh, and, and the Celtic support still knew we were there and we were, we were going to come back at some point. Um, obviously, the, the, the public face of the Kano Foundation is seeing the kids going into the stadium. A lot of work is on the background, as Pat touched on earlier, um, with you know the organisation that goes into a, a game day and you know keeping the things going generally, but it's important that we, we sort of kept uh, our finances going and our fundraising going throughout that. Um, as I say, the public face is, is Bride and Pat and Joe uh, when they take the stadiums. And obviously, when you look at them, you sort of, they've got the sort of faces that your parents told you to stay away from when you were younger. But um, that, that's, that's what we're at just now. It's like we're, we're like everyone else. We're, we're, we're at the waiting game stage. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. 
not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. When you go, Brian? Yeah, that's one of the things that before <laughs> the season started, we had to sit down and look. And, and at that stage, we were looking to get into the stadiums in August. Uh, so we had to pay for the season tickets without knowing what the future held. So we had to pay out for those 186 tickets. And once they were paid out, look at the fundraising to actually make sure that the money was in place, that that money had been paid for out. So we had to bring it back in. Thankfully, the Celtic support and others have rallied around us. Um, but we're still at that stage where we'll have to look at it again at this time. Well, in probably April, May next year as well. Definitely. It's a real tough time for everybody. Um, and that's what's so amazing about events like this that Paul John Dykes and the Celtic State of Mind team are running for three fantastic charities. Um, it's really important. You know, it's, it's a hard time of year as it is, let alone during the during a pandemic. So it's really, you know, thank you to everybody that's tuning in. Thank you to everybody that's donating. It really means the world to everybody that's been involved this weekend. Um, and, you know, looking forward uh, to our future. Um, we won't be going away anytime soon. You'll be seeing us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So give us a wee follow. Uh, but more importantly, the kids will always, sell, as, long as, as long as Celtic is here, the Kennel Foundation will be here, so please do donate if you can as well. Um, on our website, we have uh, you know like a pound a month and you know things like that. Uh, please do um, if you can. Um, on that note, we would not be here uh, if it wasn't for our amazing supporters throughout the year. You guys are honestly what makes the Kennel Foundation so special all over the world, and we cannot thank you all enough. So instead of thanking you and being here all night mentioning all of our amazing supporters and friends all over the world, here are some of your beautiful wee faces that we're missing ever so dearly. I would like to say a huge happy birthday and congratulations to the Kano Foundation <laughs> 10 whole years of keeping football free for kids. From all the members of the Belfast Celtic Center. Congratulations to the Kano Foundation. 10 years of getting kids through the turnstiles at Celtic Park. What an achievement. Well done to Joe and everyone involved from Perth CSC, Western Australia. Wow. 10 years of the Kano Foundation. Unbelievable. The walkers have done bringing so many kids, giving them a lift over the town floor, giving them a gift, and giving them the gift of selfie. From all the team at more than 90 minutes, we wish you all the best for the next 10 years. Happy, can birthday, and give you a listen. I love you so much. Here, here. Happy 10th anniversary to everybody at the Kano Foundation. From us all here at the Gala Shield Celtic Supporters Club, even though I'm here myself. But we'll all be back here again soon, guys. So well done, and a big congratulations for getting all those kids through the doors at Parkhead, free of charge. Hell, hell. Hi. Congratulations to the Kano Foundation for 10 amazing years from the Trenton Andy Doyle Celtic Supporters Club here in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, may you continue for another 10, 20, 30 years doing great work on behalf of the Celtic family. I'm very excited myself because uh, today is my first day at a new job. I'll be teaching sporting integrity here. 
Hi Keo Foundation, I'd like to wish you a happy anniversary and I'm proud of all the great work you're doing uh, back there at Celtic Park and I'd like again wish you a happy anniversary from all the members of the Los Angeles Celtic Support Hell hell to all at the Kano Foundation. On behalf of myself and here from Toronto Pearson Airport, and yes, we are still flying and we'll be flying home to see you soon enough. Again, on behalf of the North American Federation, Joe, Brian, everybody there, congratulations on a fantastic 10 years. The Federation is more than happy and proud to be associated with you guys. Congratulations, keep up the good work, and we'll see you for another great 10 years. God bless, hell hell, see you soon. CSC Philadelphia. On behalf of myself and the rest of the Playboys family, I want to congratulate the Kino Foundation on 10 years of keeping soccer free for kids. Congratulations, guys, and keep up the good work. The Kino Foundation is taking 10,000 kids to Celtic Park to experience their first game of excitement and joy watching Celtic. Happy 10th birthday to the Kano Foundation from Jill and Dave in California. Congratulations on the great job you do for the kids. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Go Kano. Go Celtics. Hello, everyone. Hugo Strani here in Toronto, Canada, on the shores of Lake Ontario. Wishing a very happy 10th birthday to everyone at the Kano Foundation. Congratulations on 10 years of truly inspirational hard work. Uh, your commitment and dedication for a great, inspiring foundation. And I salute all the hardworking team of volunteers and workers. And of course, somebody's going to drive the bus. And a big shout out to Mr. Joe Mack and, and Mr. Brian Ainsley for all the work that you do. And as we go through this COVID-19, charity fundraising work has suffered. So let's make uh, a good commitment as we uh, come to the beginning of an end, as we get back to the new normal, to make Kano stronger and better for 2020 and beyond. I wish you all uh, a very happy 10th birthday. I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. And, of course, congratulations on nine in a row for our own beloved Celtic Football Club. Uh, my personal wish is to be with you all for your 10th anniversary Kino Foundation in Glasgow next year. That's how I look forward to that. I also have another personal wish, and that is that uh, one of these days I'm going to get to hear Joe Mackin's real voice. Because by the time I get to Vegas, Joe is completely hoarse. He's been there a few days before me. So, Joe, maybe I'll get to hear your real voice one of these days. A salute to Kino. Thank you. Gromila Margaret, merci beaucoup, and happy birthday. Hi, Paul Kane here from Perth, Australia, and Mum, brother. Just like to wish um, the Kino Foundation many happy returns on the 10th anniversary, and keep up the good work, guys. I know it's not the best time of year, but um, stay safe, and hopefully we'll be back in paradise soon, shouting for the hoops. God bless, guys. Have a great day, yeah? More, more tears, more tears from me. It's just too much. I just loved that wee girl at the beginning, sitting in the car. She was brilliant. She's an she's an absolute star, honestly. And at the end, I cut it off um, for time, but they sang "Happy Birthday" to the Kano and Gaelic and Gaelic, um, and it, it oh, it was amazing. That that video was taken from our tenth birthday uh, in July there, which feels like a lifetime ago. I can't believe it was half a year ago already. Um, guys, I've got a question for you. As a writer, uh, writing poetry, uh, a lot to do with you know the club and our backgrounds and our kind of Glasgow Irish heritage. What was your very first Celtic game? 
this is for inspiration. Uh, tell me a little bit about your, your first Celtic game. What was it that made it so special? And these kids are coming in and experiencing their first Celtic game. Was it anything like yours? I can't remember mine. <laughs> so long ago. I can't remember who it was against or whatever. I was that young. Sorry. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Have you got any stories? Yeah, I was nine. Uh, first of May, 1971. You've, last... you've looked that up. I was going to say, you've got some no, no, I can remember it. And it'll stay with me till the day I die because it's what I've seen the kids every time. My eyes nearly popped out of my head because I walked into that stadium at the Celtic end and round and watched the game. And it was the last game of the Lisbon Lions. And it was 3 nothing at half time. And all it was was wave after wave attack from Celtic. And I started crying in the second half when Clyde scored. <laughs> but the game ended up 6-1. And I thought, this is what happens every game. Um, and I thought every single time that that would continue to happen. We went through bad times a few years after it, but once you're a Celtic supporter, it stays with you forever. And I was thankful that my dad took me through and he said, you're not coming to another game because it's too dangerous. Because everybody going to the games in those days, you had the danger of the flying bottle or the wet trousers as you trudge through the terrace and or even worse, uh, something else got you from behind as well. So you have to be careful. So that's my memory. Mark, what about you? Any stories? I think there might be a wee bit of a delay for Mark. Uh, my, my first game was... Uh, yeah, I'm a bit like Pat. I don't really remember. I think it's just an age thing now. I think there's a bit of a delay, Mark. Well, I, I, I don't remember my first game. My first memory of going to a game was... Uh, I was getting a basically getting a lift over the turnstile. Ironically, is because it's what we do for kids. And uh, I remember getting upset when I, I turned around the corner, seeing the stadium for the first time, and the big sign up saying "schoolboys must not be lifted over the turnstiles." And I burst out greeting, saying I couldn't get into the game, and everybody just laughed at me. So, if you could pick one song to describe your childhood Celtic memories, what would it be, and why? For me, um, uh, it will be Rod Stewart sailing. Um, that's the earliest memory I have of the music at Celtic Park. Um, it was quite popular um, just before the team came out. Um, and uh, it was kind of a, like a cue for my cousin who took me to the game to take me from where we were standing in the jungle and move me around to the, the end of the jungle near the Celtic end where it was a wee bit safer. Um, but yeah, so I would go with Rod Stewart and Sailing. Brian and Mark, what about you guys? Well, for me, it was Sailing as well because uh, that's my earliest memories when uh, I went to the games on my own in the Motherwell Niner Robus and uh, stood under the TV gantry uh, in the, the old jungle and the scarves were up in the air and it was fantastic. So, yeah, that and Feed the Bear when Roy Aitken got up a, 
a bit of steam and started running at the opposition. And if you opened the gate, he probably would have ran out the gate as well with the ball. But yeah, that, that would be the two. Mark, what about you? I think Mark's frozen in time. I can see it. <laughs> uh, as far as songs go, I've got a different. No, oh, I can hear you. Definitely a bit of a delay there, but not to worry. Uh, guys, would you like a wee poem? Who from? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Who from? Myself. <laughs> of course we would. would love it. You know, we always look forward to your poems. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. This wee poem was uh, inspired by one of Andrew Milne's uh, Celtic Soul podcast guests. And if you haven't seen it, please do watch Please do watch it. Uh, he posts them. It's a Tuesday and a Friday um, on average anyway, and they're totally phenomenal. So he had Charlie Lord on, who is from New York, and the interview really resonated with me. So this is a new poem for all the Celtic fans all over the world, home and away, who can't be with us at this moment as we are about to witness history, a quadruple treble. Celtic, why are you like this? You're making me greet. The beat of my heart and my chest, the four-leaf clover on my breast. I'm so blessed to only be up the road, as they say, just 15 minutes away from paradise. Hundreds of thousands travel far and wide on ferries and trees of green and white. What a sight. Yet for me, it's half six in the morning and a dodgy signal warning's popping up. The wains are in a strop. The wife's away to the shop. She's pissed off and I'm pissed off. And I've woke up the whole house off to miss kickoff. That means the group chat will be pinging and Parkhead will be singing and I'm 3,280 miles away. No having a scooby who Lennon's even played. And all I'm saying is, I just wish I was only up the road, as they say, just 15 minutes away from paradise. My youngest, you see, is only three, too young to truly understand but when I'm playing the songs and watching the game, here's the fans. I close my eyes and I'm right there. I hear a chorus of supporters. I put my princess high up in my shoulders as she holds up her scarf of white and green and she'll see those themes. She'll fall in love. And in her American accent, she'll say, oh, Dad, imagine we just lived up the road. Just 15 minutes away from paradise. From the Bronx to LA, Cork to Toronto, Ballymena to Sydney to Rome, pilots in airports, sailors in boats, those passports will always find a way to come home. And the pubs will be Irish wherever you go. And the oil rigs will fly the flag high for a quadruple treble and ten in a row. No matter where, no matter when. You know you've always got a friend and that's what it means to be a Celtic supporter. Celtic, why are you like this? You're making me greet. A heart in my chest. 
I'm so blessed to be just up the road, as they say, 15 minutes away from paradise. Thanks. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> it's weird doing that to you, isn't it? It's like a wee free audience. It's great. This is what the world looks like, isn't it, for the world of music and spoken word. It's, I'm really missing uh, my spoken word gig, so I am. Uh, that poem spoke all about friendships within the Celtic community, and our Cairo community is so special. Teresa and Tommy. Can we just talk about Teresa and Tommy for a second? Because... I've never met a woman with so much energy and so much pride. No matter where she goes, last year she was in Thailand, raising money, raising funds wherever she goes. Talking to Neil, uh, who's one of our matchday volunteers, and he was saying he was scrolling through uh, Twitter and he seen a picture of Alan Thompson in Thailand with a Cairo scarf. And he thought, oh, I wonder who's over there. And there Teresa was, padding over his scarf. If he's getting any stories of Teresa and Tommy to share with the world because they need priests. <laughs> well, I'll start, I'll start off with Tommy. He's my favourite elf ever. For why, Tommy to, why is that? For, why is elf? For Tommy to dress up for our Christmas parties year after year as an elf, I think it's fantastic. But I think it's just to get out of the house and escape from Teresa because Teresa is a whirlwind. She'll go into pubs and ask them to take charity cans. She'll go and raise money anywhere she can. She'll go and raise funds for a tombola that she runs at the dances and approach hotels and other places to, to gift us stuff and then use that as part of the prizes on the tombola. It's absolutely brilliant. She's, she's a whirlwind. She's absolutely stupendous. Can't praise her highly enough. One of my first games um, a wee while ago now, Teresa gave me this talk and you know, the first game, I didn't really know anybody, I didn't really know you guys, I wasn't sure if you know, this was going to be my thing, you know, things like that. And I remember Teresa just gave me a big hug like, that's you. <laughs> Honestly, she's brilliant. Um, Teresa is two of our ambassadors. And we've also got a couple of patrons and a couple of yeah. boards. Brian, tell us a wee bit about our patrons. Well, we're, we're lucky enough in that um, all our patrons are heavily involved, especially like say Tom Boyd, who donates his time and energy to us and comes along to the golf day and promotes us whenever he can. We've got uh, John Higgins, who's another who superstar snooker player, but you wouldn't believe it because John Higgins himself is very modest and unassuming. And uh, I had the, the cracking job of introducing him at the Radisson. And he was standing with Tom Boyd, John Fallon, uh, Joe Miller, and a few others. And he says, why am I standing here with all of you? I play snooker. You're my heroes. And I says, John, you're our hero to a lot of people. So, yeah, you deserve to be in that position. Cracking guy. Obviously, we've got the late Martin Kane. Uh, we've got Henrik Larson. You don't need any to say any words more than that. I think we've got the right people in place that help and assist us where possible. And uh, going forward, uh, we'll grow based on some of those patrons coming on board and 
putting us further. Definitely. Uh, in the summer there, during our 10th birthday, uh, we did a live stream and Joe and I interviewed uh, Tom Boyd and Simon Donnelly and I, I have to say it was one of the, the great privileges and the honours of my 20 years on this planet. Um, it was just, you know, having Tom Boyd as a patron, he's just a really great guy. Joe told me a story about when him and Tom first met, well, you know, the early days anyway of their friendship and Joe was getting all excited telling me this story and he was like, and he turned around and he, he said to me, listen, Joe, listen, my friends just call me Tam, so just call me Tam. And I always slag Joe for that because it just, yesterday Joe was 50 um, and Tom Boyd had gave my message alongside hundreds of thousands of people all over the world uh, and Tom gave my message and he texted me like, did you see this? Did you see Tom Boyd message me? <laughs> I, was I, thought, I thought you were going to say there, my friends call me Tam, so you can call me Thomas. <laughs> I saw yeah, it, it's great. It's great with it, you know, some of the patrons that we've got. You know, obviously Scott Brown as well, um, who um, quite kindly gave his uh, armband to one of the kids who come along that day uh, to, to to watch one of the games, and uh, a lot of the 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 patrons, you know do a hell of a lot for us, you know. And for a lot of them, it's just a just a matter of saying, um, you know, just give us a mention, just say hello to us, come along to our night, speak to other people. Now, that's basically what we're trying to do is when we have nights, get as many good Celtic people and ex-Celtic players and hopefully some current players there so that it gives the, the people coming along an opportunity to meet people, meet players that they wouldn't normally meet, you know. And like you say, Tom Boyd goes the extra mile. He really does. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised. I don't know where he gets the time because I think he must be a patron of about you know, half a dozen, maybe more, you know, charities, you know, and he gives his time up freely for all of them. So, well done, Tom. I know, big shout out. We really appreciate, we appreciate all of you, Scott. Brown. Yeah, even, even though it took him about five years to figure out what my name was. You know? <laughs> At one time, the guys were going to put a sticker on saying my name is Pat every time I was at a, a function, so they would know who I was. Scott, uh, Scott Brown, last year at our uh, golf day, um, another amazing privilege to have a wee chance to have a wee chat with Scott Brown and interview Scott Brown. And I remember uh, I got him in another room, uh, you know, just for it to be a wee bit quiet uh, for, my, for the mic and stuff. And I just remember thinking, wow, like, here, here he's, he's an absolute legend or for me anyway um, I know we don't know what the future holds for Celtic um, tomorrow or the rest of the season but no matter what for me Scott Brown is a legend he brought us the treble treble um, and he, was, he captained us to an, an, an invincible season so honestly he's, he's fantastic um, we don't want to have long to go uh, so I would just like to take this time just to thank the three of you, uh, not just for tonight, but for being amazing trustees for 10 years. Um, not only you guys, but also Joe uh, Mackin and Gillian McCall, who are two of the, fa- two of the five trustees um, who are doing an, absolute, an absolutely amazing job. Um, Neil, Paul... Sean Paul, all of our matchday volunteers, Cheese and Tommy, Sarah and Sarah, Sarah who organises the Christmas party. We really appreciate you all ever so much. Um, and also, of course, all of our supporters as well. 
we won't be going away just yet. We'll be sticking around for years and years to come, okay, no matter what a post-COVID world presents for us. So thank you very much to everyone who makes the Cairo ever so special. Paul John Dykes, thank you very, very much for having us on this evening. And thanks for all of our listeners. Please do, everyone, raise money, raise funds for these fantastic causes and have a fantastic day tomorrow. No matter what the outcome, tomorrow is something to be celebrated as a Celtic fan. And I'm not going to lie, I'm breaking it. We all are. Uh, I would just like to give a big shout out to Stevie Dodds, who is now going to take us out with a very special rendition of Let the People Sing. Um, Please sing along if you know the words and sing along if you know these extra special words. So thank you very much, guys. And I can't wait to see you all again. Marketers Report. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Network.